0: So, for those that may be visiting or don't know what's, uh, what we're doing, I've been doing a series over the seven churches of Revelation. I've done this uh, sermon back in 2010, I do believe, um, but I did all seven churches in that one sermon, and there's no way you can cover even the surface level of what was happening in, uh, with, with this uh, prophecy. So what I decided to do is to break each one of those churches out into its own sermon and to dig a little bit deeper into what it was all about. And today we are on the church of uh, Thera T- Now, I've, tried, I've listened to different people try to pronounce that word, and I've heard it five different ways, so I'm just going to say it the way I feel good. <laughs> um, but yes, this is the fourth church that is mentioned the first was Ephesus, Ephesus. the second was uh, Smyrna, the third was Pergamus, and the day is Theratira. Okay. And before I start, I'm going to do just like I did in the last sermon, I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. For all those that may be watching on YouTube, when we talk about the Catholic Church, we are in no wise talking about individual Christians. We're not talking about the people in the church. We're talking about the position of power that was the, was the Pope's uh, uh, seat. There are God's people in every church. All right. And, every, and God's going to have people um, that you don't think is going to be there. And people that you think are going to be there are not going to be in heaven. And there's good God-fearing Catholics out there that are doing their best to serve the Lord. So I always want to put that out there first. That this is in no wise saying something bad about Catholics. It's talking about the seat of power and history. And, and today we're going into the Dark Ages. Which is why I'm, I'm I'm re-saying that again. We're going into the 1,260 years of persecution. Okay, the last four sermons for those that you might want to go back and look was on May 8th. That was uh, we did John John uh, on Patmos. I did a whole sermon about because uh, he was the one who wrote Revelation. The next three were on J- July the 2nd, August the 6th, and then the last one was on November the 5th. So if you want to go back and listen to those sermons, um, you can do so afterwards. So, let's get started here. The significance of the letters. So, if, you knew, if you're a new Christian or you don't understand Revelation very well, you, when, you, when you start reading Revelation, one of the first things you read about are the seven churches. And if you don't understand what's happening, this is what it is. The seven churches were actual letters that were written to seven literal churches that existed in, um, in present-day Turkey, but but an back in those 80s, there were actual cities and churches that were there. And he wrote letters to each one of those churches. But the letters were not just a physical, literal letter to the churches. They were actually a prophecy of the church itself, going from that period all the way to our period, which our church, if you don't know, is the Church of Laodicea. Okay? So that, that is what the significance of the, of the letters are. And let me see here. If you're wondering what part of the world this is in, you got the Mediterranean Sea here and there's like a present day Turkey. And I'll show you that here in just a second. There's Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Turkey, Egypt, that part of the world. That's that's where the literal churches were. And in Turkey, where you see Pergamum, Asia, Smyrna, like those are the literal um, cities that existed at that time. And I'm going a little bit quick because obviously I've done these in previous sermons. I'm going to cut a few things out for time purposes, but I, I will get to the meat of what we're talking about here today. So the church of Ephesus was the church of John's time It's from literally from 31 AD to 100 AD. And this was the first church. This was the, the church that came right after Jesus. And they had that first love. And what was happening, and I'm giving you a quick summary here, was that. They left their first love. And so Jesus, uh, through John, was giving them a warning. Return to thy first love. Because they had started to allow teachers to come in and to teach amongst them things that, um, that wasn't uh, what Christ wanted them to, to know. And like I said, if you want to go into that sermon, we did a whole sermon about what the first love is. How do you return to that first love? But the promise that he gave to Ephesus was this: He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. God. Revelation two verse seven. In this promise to the faithful, Jesus takes the minds of his people toward, toward forward to Eden, restored at last. And the message which we can take from that was: Return to thy first love. And it was really important that they did this because the next church, the Church of Smyrna, which which was from 100 A.D. to 313 A.D., was the start of the persecutions of the early church. This was when Emperor Diocletian, which I, I guess that's his, how to pronounce his real name, but this is when the emperor started that ten years of persecution to the church, and and uh, it was so, it was so bad that it's literally. You know, he brought it to light in the Bible because before this, there were persecutions, but it wasn't by the it wasn't by Rome. It wasn't like an official decree. It was like local persecutions from like your neighbors and like the local governments. But this was when the the, the emperor actually did 10 years of persecution. Okay, and to this church. The promise was he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of you sent the second death revelations two eleven The promise to this church was if they were they were it uh, was that if faithful, they would not be hurt by the second death. This means that they would be raised to have eternal life, how kind Jesus was to point out to these dear people going through this terrible time that he had also been dead and rose again, so they if faithful would also All right. After this period, and this is when Emperor Constantine comes onto the scene. His father was one of the four um, uh, emperors that ruled during that period. But, But when Constantine comes into power, this is when the change starts to happen. He makes the Christian church popular because it was unpopular to be a Christian. He makes, he, if, you, if you believe the, the, the lore and the uh, mythology or whatever, he says he saw a sign, in, like he was going into battle, and he saw this cross in the sky, and then that made him convert to Christianity. But, that's least only if you believe that, but what he did was make Christianity the, the, the religion of the land. And through Constantine, he started to mix and merge paganism and Christianity together. He, started, he was more of a threat than Diocletian was because it's, it's, it's easier to bring a Christian to his knees if you can get them to compromise than it is to make them a martyr. But as the church in Smyrna was being persecuted, the church actually was growing. It was growing in number. And, and Satan said, oh, no, we can't do that. Let's do, let's do something different. And through compromise, he brought the church back to his knees. And this was the rise of the papal power okay and so i mean there's different ways but one of the main things he did was to t- change the time of the the church the, the whole the sabbath day from saturday to sunday what he did was satan had started working with the pharisees during um before and during christ's time to make the sabbath a burden and then when the, and constantine made sunday worship a festival and over the course of around 100 years they say they, they they worshiped on sabbath and on sunday And slowly they made it Sunday, the day of the Sabbath, because which would you rather worship on? The day that's a burden or the day that's a festival? That's what that's what Satan does. He works. He's a patient, malevolent thing. He he will work over time, but he will he will he he knows what he's doing. So you have to watch that. Okay. So now we get to this church, the church of Thyatira. And this is from five hundred thirty eight a d to five seventeen a d and this is the church in the, in the wilderness during the dark ages. This is the twelve hundred and sixty years of persecution and I see, I already see now I might do a lot of uh, summarizing, but if you know anything about the dark ages, you know what the number one thing that the the, the church wanted to do was to take the Bible out of the hands of the people. So that the people will be reliant upon the church and the bishops and all the and the clergy for the truth. And you have to go to them to pray to the Lord. And, and, and you know, if, you, if you've if ever studied, it's like you couldn't even we couldn't even do sermons over. There's so much stuff that happened during the 1260 years. But the point of it was, if you can take the Bible out of the hands of the people, that is what they refer to as the dark ages. Because the light was taken away from the people. And. Theratira means sacrifice and humility. Jesus is not talking to the great church, but to the church hiding in the wilderness, because basically they all had to make a decision. Are you going to compromise for peace or are you going to stand firm in your, in your, in your beliefs, your faith and your works? And then you had to flee, because if you didn't flee, you would be killed. That is what was happening. And there were people. The, uh, the, that, that gave in and compromised. And then there was a small remnant of the church that left and had to go into the wilderness. And it says Jesus had removed his candlestick from the great church and placed it among his hidden and true church. And we can, we're we going to have to take a lot of lessons from this group because our time is coming when we're going to have to make the same decision here. And so what if you study history, armies were sent out to destroy these people and God protected them as long as they stayed true and, and, and didn't compromise. He could protect them. But when they started to compromise, because after years and years, a lifetime of being in the wilderness of being persecuted, some finally gave in and they, they wanted to compromise. But when they start to do that, slaughter, they, like, a lot of them were slaughtered. There were a lot of um, a lot of um, people that died because they gave in. And he couldn't they couldn't be protected. Um, they, they made deals with Rome and so we're going to talk about the spiritual messages because the first church was return to that first love so whatever that feeling that, that, that love that you have for God when you first joined the church or when you first understood what you were worshiping because I was born in the church so like when that first time when you realize what God has done for you and what He had, he's offering you he's saying return to that because that's what you're going to need to go through any kind of persecution. Be faithful, even unto death, and you will not suffer the second death. Remain faithful. Do not compromise. And even and when it's time to make a decision, keep my works. That was the, This is the fourth one here. When it comes time to make that decision, will you compromise for peace? And so... Uh, I'm going to quickly read Revelations uh, 2, 18 through 29. And um, this is what the, the, uh, the Bible says. And unto the angel of the church of Theratira write, These things saith the, the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of, light, of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, in charity and service, and faith, thy patience and thy works, and the last to, to be more than the first. Notice that he says twice about the works. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because I suffered that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts. And I will give to, unto every one of you according to your works. OK, so and if like uh, let's go back to the eight, verses 18 and 19. Uh, and unto the angel of the church of, of Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who has his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know that works in charity, and service and faith, and not and patience, and not works, and the last to be more than the first. In uh, Now in Theoretical, which means sacrifice and humility, we see Jesus is no longer talking to the great church that has set itself up as the ruler of the world, but rather to his true church now howling in the wilderness. The apostate church had not repented, but had kept on doing wickedness and bringing in pagan practices. Jesus had removed their candlestick, and they were no longer any church of his. The faithful who refused to go along with the majority have fled into the wilderness areas and now Jesus sees them as his true church on earth. This is the church of the 1260 years of papal persecution from 538 A.D. to 1517 A.D., the start of the Reformation. Jesus is pleased with their works as they humbly do their best to serve him and still share his truth with the world, through, though often it costs their lives. Their works were so wonderful that Jesus mentions them twice. Okay. Now, in verse 20, um, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. So this is one of the churches that he has something against. Remember, there's two, there's two churches. He didn't have anything negative to say about them. But this is not one of them um, uh, because they, some people did compromise here. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because I suffered that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess. To teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now here's here's the summary of that. But there was a problem; they were allowing Jezebel to come among them. Who was this? In the Bible, Jezebel was the wicked wife of Ahab that led Israel into idol worship. So here it is meant that they were compromising at times by allowing teachers from Rome to come in and teach among them. This message talks about adultery. In the Bible, God says when his people join with earthly rulers and also with pagan idol worshippers, they commit adultery. Just like a wife who runs away with another man who is not her husband, Jesus calls his true church his bride. As long as these churches of the wilderness remain pure and stay completely true to the Bible truth, they receive great protection from God. Sometimes even armies had sent out to destroy them, were smitten with terror and fled away without ever coming near to the people of God. Other times God sent fog and storms to help his people hide and hide them from their enemies. But when weary of persecution, they made deals with the Romans and began to give in on even small points of truth. God could not protect them so well and terrible slaughters occurred. When Satan can't get us to go all wrong, he tries, he tries to get us to decide it is okay to just give in a little bit for peace and to make others happy. But once we do this, Jesus cannot keep us fully safe. And soon Satan gives us all the way into his ranks. Never give in to wrong even a little bit. And have you noticed in our own society? Haven't you noticed that slowly but surely things that we used to think as even as a society was like just so it just it was it was wrong and it was bad how slowly things have come to be normal and accepted and even praised, because slowly through time we're compromising a little bit more and a little bit more a country that was founded upon the Bible and the Reformation now sees these things as being good right as a country see this used to, like I mean if you think about that, this cold country was bound founded upon the principles of the Bible, but Is the country that way now? No, because over time we have compromised little by little by little. And we're getting to the point as Christians, we're going to be asked, hey, why don't you just worship on Saturday and Sunday? Hey, why don't you just worship on Sundays? Hey, (laughs) you know, like, why are you honoring your mother and father? You know, it's slowly by slowly we're being asked to compromise and we've got to watch out for that. Alright, in Revelations 2, 22 and 23 Behold, I will cast her into a bed And them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation Except they repent of their deeds I will kill her children with death And all the churches shall know that I am he Which searches the reins and hearts And I will give unto every one of you according to your works Here is a clear prophecy made by Jesus That the course of the church was following To seek worldly power and control Nations and kings would lead to great suffering and strife the great tribulation referred to here is the 1,260 years of papal persecution. And then in verses 24 and 25, But unto I say, and unto the rest in the as many have not done this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. Here Jesus is encouraging those who have not gotten mixed up in his power seeking and compromising with the world. Although they may not know as much as they ought to, <coughs> Excuse me. he accepts them as they are doing their honest best to serve him. And then finally here in 26 through 29, this is the promise. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nation. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and the vessels uh, of a potter shall they be broken to to shivers even as i receive my father i will give him the morning star he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches okay so the church in those days was busy seeking power to rule the nations of earth and if you and if you think about it this was also in that the prophecy of the tower when they talked about the co of the toes where remember that, that man has always wanted to conquer the world Right. You have ne- civilizations that's always trying to do that. Well, he said in these last days, the con- the, the, the 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 countries were try to co-mingle together through marriage and through religion and, and then finally war. But this is what was happening during that time as well. Um, and that's how they were seeking power. Jesus here promised them the morning star. This is a wonderful promise with several meanings. Jesus is the bright and bright and morning star. So these people were would have Jesus with them in their trials. The morning star appeared close to dawn. So this means that even though the terrible darkness of the dark ages was with them, the dawn would come again. Wycliffe, who was the first of the reformers to start trying to return the word of God to the common people, was known as the morning star of the Reformation. Yes, the dawn would come. the darkness would made, be made to flee. Okay, so we have the dark ages. We have the church that's trying to to basically control the world through through the throne, um, through the seat of the pope. But everybody did not uh, uh, he, kneel to the to the pope some people had to go into the wilderness and to preserve the, the, um, the scriptures through these dark ages, before the Reformation even started. And um, I'm, like I said, I'm, a, I'm going to skip a lot of this. But basically, who here has not heard of the Waldenses? Wild Waldenses? Did I understand that wrong? Yeah, there we go. David was telling tell me that earlier. Um, but these people literally had to flee into the mountains, and they would have church and live in, in caves and in the, the dark places of the world basically to preserve the, the scriptures. And they suffered and they went through persecution during these 1260 years. They weren't the only ones, but they're probably the most notable. But they were one of the first people who um, got copies of the scriptures and they would recopy those scriptures by hand and then give they, they would get their children and they would put they would put in their coats like secret compartments where they could put the scriptures and they would send their children back into the to the um, to the ty- into, to the cities to go to school but they would also share the gospel as they did so and by doing so <clears throat> sorry i'm just summarizing the rest of it cuz of time but uh, that's 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 basically what had they had to do in order to keep the scriptures and keep the faith alive was to basically hide in the wilderness, but then they would risk life and go into the cities and towns and spread the gospel, page by page, scripture by scripture, and share the faith. So that people began to realize, I don't have to go to the to the church to pray. I can go directly to God. I, I like the message, the 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 love that God has for me. I don't have to get uh wake up ordinances and do all these things, pay the church for my loved ones being in purgatory and and that that they are actually just asleep and that he's coming back. So much truth because people were like ignorant of the scriptures, so much damage was done during the twelve hundred and sixty years that God had to have a plan to bring it all back. And that's when the that's the reformation, that's the next church, where every part of the law had to be brought back. Law by law by law, ending with the seven days finished church, bringing back the Sabbath, the seventh, um, I mean, the, the Sabbath day, that by law. But this is when it was lost during this 1260 years. And so, why is this so important? We are about to have to make the same decisions. That's what's about to happen, slowly but surely. We're about to have to make a decision. Will you compromise the Sabbath for peace? Or will you go into the wilderness to serve the Lord the best way you can? When you're not allowed to buy and sell anymore, when you're not allowed to own property or have a job or do anything to help take care of your family, are you going to compromise because you don't want to see your loved ones hungry or cold or... or, what are, you, what are you willing to give up Because of comfort We as Americans Are the most in trouble <laughs> At least in other parts of the countries, They understand suffering On a level we don't really understand And they've gone through a lot Already in their life So they have a well of knowledge And, 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 and muscle memory to, to reach back into What are we going to do We can't pay our bills And we are stressed out <laughs> Right <laughs> We're worried about superficial things. What happens when we have to go through real persecution, real struggle? What happens when they're hunting us down, when we're made to be the the criminals and the terrorists in the country because we won't compromise? That's the decision. That's what they had to go through. This is why we have to study our Bibles and understand what has happened before because it's going to happen again. And that's what we're going to have to do and be willing to do. And some of us are going to have to suffer and die for our faith. Some of us will live through the last days before Jesus comes back. But remember who is Lord. He will protect you. He will show you and guide you through all that goes on. He will not take you through anything that you cannot bear. And if we hold fast to God, We can do anything. We have the power of Christ. Same powers that Christ have, we have them available to us. This is why we have to get ourselves right. We have to find a way to get over this worldly stuff and to become righteous and holy again. To be priests and priestesses of the Lord because that's what he calls us to be. And when we get into that place, when we are so in tune with the Lord that we don't care about these bodies and we don't care about these material things, we can do a lot more than what we think we can do. And we can suffer through a lot more than we think we can. All in the glory of the Lord. But that is what's coming. So I don't want to end on a bad note. We're going to get through this. And there's a lot of strong people in here and everyone listening all around the world. And there's going to be a lot of people watching when this stuff starts to happen who are going to see your strength. And they're going to say, I want that. They are not just talking it, they're walking it. And I want to know what that is. That is how we save as many people as possible. It's through your life. It's through your actions. It's through how you live and walk your religion. Keep his works. That doesn't start when this, this this decision is called. That starts today. There's a lot of us in here who've been through stuff in our lives where we should not be here. But he gave us a second chance. Why? Because you are a living testimony. Somebody out there is looking for the Lord, and there's somebody out there that you can reach. Yes, the communities, the, the, the whole country, seems to have just completely let uh, Jesus Christ go. They, they have made a decision, but there are a lot of people out there who have not made that decision. That is why he is prolonging this to give us time to go out and to reach those people. But it starts with us and our relationship to God. So, This is where we all go home and we pray and we think about where is my walk with the Lord and what is my relationship with him? Am I willing to do what they did, the wildnesses and all the people who suffered in the dark ages? Am I willing to do what they did in order to preserve God's church and to preserve his word? Am I willing to go the distance if he asked me to do that? And if the answer is no or I don't know because I have a like I have a testimony too where I almost died, I almost drowned. And on the last time where I was on the bottom of the lake, I I, I was I, I was it was actually kind of funny. I was like, I'm going to die by drowning. But then I asked myself a question. I don't know, maybe he asked me the question. Are you going to heaven or hell? And I said, I don't know. That gave me the strength that I didn't have anymore to Try one more time to get back to the top. And when I got back to the top, my friend was right there. Of all this, like, he was right there. And he helped me get to the other side. All of us have a story. And we need to think about do you not know? Or is the answer no? The answer needs to be yes. You need to be able to walk in the world knowing that if something happens to me today, I am saved. Because I keep the Lord's works. So, brothers and sisters, we got to love God. We have to love one another. And we've got to love them no matter what they do say and what they're all about. We've got to love everybody. Because through love is where the salvation comes from. All right. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for giving us this time. To go out and find those individuals out there that are still looking for salvation. They're looking for the truth. and They're looking for you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you give us your words and your love and your mercy and your empathy. To be able to, to look through these worldly situations and see the hearts of men. That they need you. And they're willing to listen. Show us in God's word to go, Lord. And give us your power that we may go out and reach those people and give them a second chance and give them the good message lord there's a lot of good people in this church today, and the people who are listening there 's a lot of people who want what you have to offer, Lord, and we ask that you embolden us to be the Christians that we need to be in these last days, so that when we have that decision to make, when they make that that ultimatum serve Lord on Sundays. And leave the Sabbath behind, we say no. We are going to walk away. And we're going to go into the wilderness if we have to. But what we're not going to do is compromise. So Lord, thank you so much for being our strength and our, and our rock. And Lord, we ask that you bless all of us as we continue this message and continue this work going forward. In Jesus' name, amen.